Good morning, afternoon, evening, and welcome to the Royal Deluxe Podcast, a podcast about your winning Kansas City Royals. We can't stop winning! Ah! Uploading every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, normally, but that's going on break for about a week. Next week, no podcasts. I am on the road. I am going on a road trip. Won't be back until Tuesday, the uh, the third, not the 30th, the 23rd. And I, that's kind of a maybe. Worst case scenario, I won't be back till the 24th, but hopefully I'll be back on the 23rd. And I'll do a podcast right there, which is not a Monday or Wednesday or Friday, but you know, I think that would make up for it. So yeah, going to be away for a bit. Not even going to have a lot of time to watch the Royals, because I'm going to be going to other baseball games across the nation. So, uh, yeah, I talked about that a little bit last week, and I uh, hope you understand. Sorry for the inconvenience. I know some of you just you just need your fix of the Royal Deluxe podcast, right? Oh, man, I'm so sorry that you're going to have to live without me for a week. But if you want to keep up with my endeavors, then follow me on Twitter at Royal Deluxe Pod or shoot me an email at Royal Deluxe Podcast at gmail.com. gmail.com. I'm not sure what sending a Gmail would actually do, but um, it's there, so I feel like mentioning it. I mentioned that the Royals just cannot stop winning. They just cannot stop taking huge dubs. And that is what has been happening since we last spoke on Wednesday. On Wednesday, we talked about the beginning of a four-game series with the Chicago White Sox. They played a doubleheader on Tuesday. The Royals won the first game, but then lost the second game. However, the two games afterwards on Monday and... Not on Monday. On Wednesday and Thursday, the Royals won both games. They have officially taken three out of four games from the White Sox. And going back to the Boston series last weekend, it's the first time the Royals have won back-to-back four-game series since 2014. Now, that is a very fun and exciting thing to point out, although I would like to give a a small reality check and just kind of ask how many times do we play four game series in a row? That just seems like something that doesn't happen all that often. In other words, I don't think there have been a lot of opportunities to win two four game series in a row. Like, are we actually talking about like four game series that happened back to back? Because we're talking about this in the context of the Red Sox and the White Sox series. Yeah, back to back series. They were both four games in length. So if that's the case, I don't know. That seems like something that doesn't happen very often in any regular season. I'm not trying to take away anything from this young Royals team because I love them and I want the best for them and I want them to succeed. I'm just kind of saying this as a small reality check. There are some reality checks that we need to have as we go forward, but there is still a lot to celebrate because at the end of the day, we still have won six out of the last eight games, basically. And that, no matter how you put it, is wonderful. And I could tell you, I could continue trying to, uh, I don't know, lower the, uh, the excitement that we have for what's been happening with this Royals team because, 
even though we look at the White Sox and we're like, okay, these are this is a, supposed to be a playoff team. At the very least, they are an above 500 team, or at least they were when they came into Kansas City. I really don't think the White Sox are all that good. I never really took them all that seriously. I am like a resident White Sox hater. But at the same time, because I hate the White Sox, I'm very, very happy about this series. I'm very happy to see them struggle and fail. Because, you know, White Sox, we've just, we haven't gotten along very well. We've had a rough history over the years, us and them. And look, some things about them I can respect. I do enjoy some of their players. I like Tim Anderson. And some of the faults they have, we could look at as our own. For example, they really don't like their hitting coach. That's what I get from their fan base. They seem to have a huge problem with their hitting coach, very much in the way Royals fans have a problem with Cal Eldred. So perhaps we're not so different, you and I. It still doesn't matter because the way I feel about teams generally, it usually comes down to their fan base. And White Sox fans over the last few years have just not been the nicest people. Now I understand that every fan base has bad fans. The Royals fan base has a ton of bad fans. How many people went around... I don't know, causing a ruckus in 2014 and 15, maybe the couple years after that. When the team is good, when the team is winning, people get a little out of control. They get all excited. They get all riled up. And as part of them having fun, they have to go out and attack others. Like, oh, you're not rooting for this team? The team that's winning? Ha! Bet you feel real stupid right now! Something like that. I get it. Every every dog has its days. I don't know if that's actually the right uh, phrase to use in this context, but you get what I mean. Every Every fan base has bad fans. Still, though, it just seems like the White Sox fan base has been exceptionally rude and aggressive since about 2019 when Brad Keller got into a fight with Tim Anderson, which is funny because I actually don't even side with the Royals on that one. That's a long story and we don't really need to visit it. It's a, uh, I like to think it's water under the bridge at this point. And if not, then whatever, who cares? Who cares? It was like three years ago, but still ever since then, I've just heard a lot of things from White Sox fans. Because what I do is I moderate the Royals subreddit, r slash Casey Royals. And there would, there's usually a lot of White Sox fans who come into the subreddit just to, just to make their peace. Say what's on their mind about the Kansas City Royals, even though no one asked. I mean, imagine if I did this. Imagine if I posted this podcast onto the White Sox subreddit. Ima- that, that would, I would be the biggest asshole in North America. But of course I'm not going to do that. Still, when you just see a bunch of people coming in to, you know, 
talk trash and whatnot. It just sours your opinion on everything around them. So this was this was especially prevalent last year in the brief moment that the win that the Royals were actually winning that small window of relevance they had at the beginning of 2021. Yeah, that's when it was especially brutal with uh, with White Sox fans. So for that reason, I just don't have the highest opinion of the Chicago White Sox. And so I'm really happy to see that we can just, you know, put them to task like that. And it's especially satisfying seeing the team struggle. The team that those people thought was so great, so amazing, could not be touched. They're going to make us look like such losers. <laughs> well, who's laughing now? I don't know. I mean, I don't have much room to complain. Look, I get it. The Royals are not in a better position than the White Sox. We are still 10 games worse than them in the regular season. But I like to think that the future isn't so bright for the White Sox. They don't have much higher to go. But the sky's the limit for the Royals, it feels like. We're just going up. We're going to the moon. But we do need a reality check still, because this upcoming weekend, starting uh, t today in like 12 hours, we're going to be playing the Los Angeles Dodgers. And uh, I think it was recently posted that the Dodgers, over the last 162 games, have won 118. They've been 118 and 44 over the last 162 games. The Los Angeles Dodgers, right now, are the winningest team in any 162 game span in history. So that's what we're up against. We're not up against a team that is saying they're going to go to the playoffs, they're saying that they're going to win the World Series, but actually they're four games out of the division, and they say they've got one of the best lineups in the American League, but then they can't score off of Zach Greinke, whose baseball savant page just looks like a bunch of teardrops with all the blue circles everywhere. No, we're going up against the Los Angeles Dodgers, whose three starting pitchers they're throwing at us this weekend are combined for 27 and 2. Did you did you catch that? Did do you understand what I am saying? I'm saying that the three starting pitchers for the Los Angeles Dodgers that we are going to see this weekend have a combined record of 27 and 2. So, it's a nice little moment to uh, think, hmm, winning it was fun while it lasted. Now we have to face a real team. Ooh, this should be interesting. It's, you know, it's, it's, it's hmm, how, how do we put this? It's just very interesting. I'm, in a weird way, looking forward to it. Because it's going to be the biggest challenge that the Royals have had so far this season. This young Royals lineup. I mean, I know we did face the Yankees recently, who are a very good team. But even then, we still had Whit Merrifield. 
We still had Andrew Benintendi. We still had a bunch of the old guys on that roster. So some of the guys that are playing right now have not played a team this good. So it will be an interesting experience, an interesting learning experience probably, and maybe a humbling one. One where we can just appreciate, oh, you know, this team that we have now, it's still nice. We're not as good as we uh, maybe want to be right now. Maybe we can't compete with the big boys, but we can still try. We can still put on a show, I think. I don't know. But let's put it this way. Here's the thing. I don't want anybody to be alarmed or scared of this upcoming series. Because here's the thing. The White Sox and Red Sox series have been so great that we are in basically a no-lose situation. I know... I mean, at this point, records don't matter too much. Winning and losing doesn't really matter too much. But still, if you want to... But still, if you want to put just a small magnifying glass on this part of the season, here's something very encouraging. Because of those past two series that we've won, the Los Angeles Dodgers, they're coming into KC, and the absolute worst case scenario is that they sweep us. We lose all three games to the Dodgers. That still leaves us with a winning homestand. The worst we can do on this homestand, this 11-game homestand, is 6-5. and five Because we've already won 6 games. The Dodgers can't hurt us. They actually can't do anything. The best they can do is just keep up appearances for themselves. Just say, hey, we're the big dick team of the MLB. We're going to beat the crap out of you guys. And we're going to be like, alright... Whatever, bozo, we already kind of did our job by winning this homestand, this super long homestand, the longest homestand of the season. We've already made everyone happy. We've already made our point. We don't need to go toe-to-toe with World Series teams just yet. Our time will come for that at some point, maybe not now. Not saying that we can't go toe-to-toe with them. I'm saying it's unlikely that we'll go toe-to-toe with them. But hey, if the Royals can make these games close, if they can somehow take one of those games, that would be phenomenal. That would just be outstanding. And then I'm going to actually be really missing you guys because if we ended up if we end up taking one game this weekend, but the next podcast, if I had a podcast on Monday, I'd just be like screaming. I'd be over the moon. I'm like, oh my god, we beat the Dodgers in a game. We 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 took a game from the Dodgers. It's just amazing. This team is the best. If this team can, if this team who's texting me right now, I'm doing a podcast. I'm trying to hype everybody up. If this team can beat the Dodgers one time out of three now, imagine what they could do when they get even better in the future. They'll beat everybody. <laughs> you know, I'm just saying. Don't be alarmed this weekend if. The Royals don't end up putting up such great games against the Dodgers. They've got the strongest lineup in baseball. They've got the strongest pitching in baseball. Don't 
like don't don't pull the the fire alarm and say oh this team everyone was so excited for this team and it's not working anymore this is this is what a real playoff team looks like yeah of course the royals aren't a playoff team right now of course it's not happening i'm just saying don't don't take it personally okay it, everything will be okay the kids are all right as they say it's still worth talking about the White Sox series a little bit, the past two games that happened on Wednesday and Thursday, because they were actually really, really good games. So Wednesday, starting pitcher was Chris Bubich, who went up against uh, went up against Johnny Cueto, who is boasting a sub-3 ERA. So not a great matchup. For us, really. Chris Bubich has an ERA over five. He, uh, he, he's had some okay starts recently, though. So I was saying that I hope that he can build on his recent success. And he kind of did. He went 5.2 innings, gave up three runs, but two of them were unearned. So 5.2 innings, one earned run, three walks, but six strikeouts and seven hits. It wasn't the prettiest line, but it was acceptable and the thing is um the thing that happened in the sixth inning is that you know he actually didn't pitch too badly and the couple of runs that were unearned are because he ended up getting a ground ball double play it was hit to michael massey and he couldn't make the play and I can distribute the blame to both parties where you could say that Chris Bubich just needs to pitch better, but also Michael Massey needs to play. The thing is, the the grounder that whoever hit it, I don't know who it was, who cares, um, it was 106 miles an hour off the bat. It was super hard hit. So it's not as if Michael Massey made the easiest double play of his life or rather missed the easiest double play of his life. It was a tough play. So I understand that. That's why I distribute the blame to Chris Bubich in a bit, in a way. I still think Michael Massey should make the play. So we'll put the blame on both of them. Otherwise, Chris would have been gotten out of the inning if he did that. Uh, he didn't. He ended up not pitch. Uh, he ended up not finishing the sixth. And I am noticing that it is a very natural thing for him to just not have it in six innings. He, you know, Chris Bubich just does not seem to have the stamina that would allow him to throw 100 pitches and pitch all six innings. In the sixth inning, he gets noticeably out of breath. Like, he's just like, <gasps> although he kind of does that anyway. He kind of has, like, this fish face. You know, you, you ever notice how he has, like, his, his mouth open? He's like, like a, like a funny fish face. I, I don't, I'm, I'm not trying to be, like, mean to him. I, I, I think this is endearing. It's okay. It's okay that he does this. I'm just saying. Um, but he, he gets noticeably exhausted. His velocity drops in the sixth inning. So, I mean, I don't, I don't mind Matheny trying him in the sixth inning anyway. I don't mind him, you know, coming out for the sixth inning, just seeing what, if he can get maybe a couple more outs, maybe get the sixth inning. Um, but it's clear that he can't be stretched super far. He could be a back-of-the-rotation kind of guy that throws, like, five innings. And they could be five good innings. He could end up being someone like, I don't know, someone like Blake Snell. 
Like Blake Snell does not pitch deep into games. He, he you know, his his Cy Young season with the Rays, he pitched like what thirty three or thirty four starts and still had less than two hundred innings. He averaged like five point one innings every single start. He was just really really limited in what um in how much he was allowed to throw because he just cannot pitch deep into games. But you can if you can still get five quality innings out of someone, that's still good for something. And then it was scoreless the rest of the way for the pitching staff. Wyatt Mills came out and got one that one out in the sixth inning to end that. And then Stamont, Cole, Weaver, all scoreless. Uh, Dylan Coleman struck out the side. He was absolutely nailed. I've been loving Dylan Coleman this season. He is so great for us this season. Hopefully this is someone that we can look forward to uh, contributing to the bullpen for the next few years. That would be wonderful. But you know who wasn't scoreless for the rest of the game? The Kansas City Royals. The Royals were kind of a, they were a little bit quiet against Cueto in the beginning. Bobby Wood Jr. did have a nice single in the third inning to get the Royals on the board, but then they didn't really get anything else until pretty late in the game. They did end up knocking Cueto out of the game in the sixth inning. Well, he did pitch all six innings, but still, Royals got a couple of runs in the sixth to tie the game, and then they just absolutely punished the bullpen. Our old friend Jake Diekman came out, and he gave up a run. And then they sent out some guy, like, I don't know, Adam Lambert, whatever his name is. He gave up four runs, and it was absolutely atrocious. And it's because MJ Melendez is a freaking god. MJ homered, and he also had another RBI hit later on in the game. And Salvi also had two RBI hits in the game. And it's it's awesome. It's just fantastic. MJ, you know, MJ might legitimately be a Rookie of the Year contender if he got to play the full season. I mean, at this point, Rookie of the Year, it's looking like it's going to be J-Rod pretty much no matter what. Although, actually, I, I say that, but then I just thought about Adley. And I, w- and I wanted to say Adley would be a good second place, but also thinking about how good the Orioles have been since Adley came to the majors. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. That dude's such a game changer that I I could could I could kind of see it going his way. Who knows? But yeah, I'm just saying, rookie of the year, tough race to break into, especially late, but still, MJ could could at least get some down ballot votes. Uh, probably more than Bobby Wood Jr. And I'm not even trying to to pick on Bobby because I love Bobby. And I'm still happy with what he's done this season. But MJ has been such a wonderful surprise. I mean, I say surprise as if he came out of nowhere. I know he was one of our top prospects. I know we've had high expectations for him for a while. But still, seeing him hit this well this early is fantastic. It's so exciting to watch him play. And also Kyle Isbell had a couple RBIs. He had a two-hit game and you know, I've been I've been like the resident Kyle Isbell hater in the Royals community, I think, but I am not going to take away from any of his successes if he has any. I am absolutely rooting for him because if Kyle Isbell is good for the Royals, that's good for the Royals. So I'll take it. Great job, Kyle Isbell. Proud of you. Happy for you. Love to see it. 
So five runs scored off the White Sox bullpen, plus the two in the sixth inning. Yeah, overall, a late scoring game for the Royals, but it's still an 8-3 to victory. And it's really fun. It's really exciting to see. You know, the vibes in Kauffman Stadium are so great right now. Like, this is a mood that I haven't seen since 2017. Like, in that... In the, like, the couple of months where the Royals, you know, like, the Royals got off to a really bad start in 2017, but then they started winning again. They kind of went on a big surge, and, you know, there was still that hope that, like, okay, okay, maybe it's going to happen again. Maybe we can get back to the playoffs this year. You know, there was that kind of vibe all around Kansas City. You saw everybody wearing Royals merch. The stadium was filling up again. People were happy and excited for things, you know, and I'm not trying to say that we're at that level again right now. But I am saying that that was the last time you really saw the Royals community in like an actually good and excitable, excitable mood. Right. And uh, I mean, maybe another exception would be uh, the, the 20 April, 2021, you know, that was the the one month where the Royals were good. Although it was a, lessened a bit by the fact that Kaufman had really limited attendance, so it still felt a little quiet in the stadium. But right now, it's like there just seems to be an overall better mood from really everybody. The fans, I would say the commentators themselves, and of course the players as well. They just seem so excited to go out and compete every single day. You know, Nikki, no, it was actually Vinny, who had said that they're not afraid of the Dodgers. We're going to go out and we're going to fight and we're going to compete. You know, that's such normal player speak. That's a normal thing you're going to hear them say all the time. And some people will, like, criticize them for saying that. But, like, what do you want them to say? We're like, oh, yeah, we're, we suck. We're going down. No, obviously they're going to be like, oh, we're going to do our best. You know, and it's easy to ignore or look past the player speak in normal circumstances. But now it's like you really do want to believe in it. You really do want to believe that these guys are giving their all every single day and that it's contributing to something positive. Overall, the Royals fandom, it was at the absolute lowest ever a few weeks ago, but right now it's the highest it's been. The morale is the highest it's been in a while in a long time, and that is so great to see. Now to talk about yesterday's game, Thursday's game, the odds of winning this one were even lower than winning, or rather the odds of winning Wednesday's game, because the White Sox had Dylan Cease on the mound, who is leading the majors in both walks, but also strikeout rate. He He's given up 55 walks, which is the most in the majors, but he also has a strikeout rate of 12.2 per nine innings, which is also the highest in baseball. And that translates to a sub-2 ERA. Meanwhile, we had Zach Greinke, who is in some ways an acceptable pitcher, but... Uh, he just isn't having a, a particularly great year. And the last few starts have really kind of exposed him, I think. He just hasn't been able to go deep into games. 
hasn't really been able to do a whole lot. Occasionally he can throw a few good innings, but he's not very he's not very commanding. He's not dominant against anybody. He has to really work hard and try getting around hitters, basically. And yeah, so their best starter versus our somehow worst. Weird saying that Zach Greinke is our worst starter. Yeah, just not great odds of winning this one. But the Royals did anyway, because all Zach Greinke did was go six and a third innings and give up zero runs. He went scoreless for six and a third innings, despite giving up nine hits. (laughs) And this led to one of the most amazing things that I have ever seen. It was the third inning. White Sox get the bases loaded with nobody out. And at this point, Zach Greinke's already given up six hits. Three innings, six hits. He is getting shelled. Somehow, none of those runners have come around to score, but again, bases loaded, nobody out. And then Zach Greinke strikes out the next two batters. And then gets a ground out for the third out. How in the world do you get struck out by Zach Greinke twice in 2022? How do you not score off of him with the bases loaded and no outs in 2022? There's a thing I've been kind of saving to say about Zach Greinke. I think I wanted to wait until a little bit later for this, but basically um, there's something I've noticed about Zach. And it's that even though his ERA has been okay this season and his FIP hasn't been too bad either because he, you know, even though he doesn't strike anybody out, he is pretty good at uh, not giving up walks. In fact, he is one of the best in baseball so far. He is in the, in the 93rd percentile for uh, walk rate. Yeah, he doesn't walk anybody. And in, in case in point, he didn't walk anybody yesterday. So that's awesome. Still, though, I just, uh, I've been really paying close attention to his baseball savant page because that has all of the juicy underlying advanced metrics. You know, the stuff that kind of, uh, reveals what's going on under the hood. And, you know, something very, very interesting. Zach Greinke is in the bottom 2% of the league for expected batting average, as well as bottom 8% in expected slugging, bottom 10% in expected ERA, bottom 14% in hard hit, bottom 4% in fastball velocity, well, that's understandable, but bottom 39% in exit velocity. Like, this guy, Baseball Savant is here, out here saying, this guy sucks. Like, this guy is trash. He should be getting wrecked every single start. Again, expected batting average is 291, and expected slugging is 467. It's like every single time Zach Greinke pitches, it's like he's pitching to, uh, I don't know, like Xander Bogarts every single time. Like, like that, that's what it's like. He's pitching to a full lineup of Xander Bogarts. But he's been able to get the job done, so I haven't been too worried about it. He's someone that can... 
he, you know, Zach's a smart guy. He probably knows all of this himself. He probably knows how to overcome the the metrics and just pitch competently. Still, though, saying all that, saying and seeing all of that, it really makes you just laugh <laughs> at the White Sox. Like, you couldn't score off of that guy. I mean, and just for comparison, you know, um, if you, you know, if you use Baseball Savant, look up Zach Greinke's page and, you know, look at it for a little bit. Then look up Patrick Corbin's page and you'll find that it's not all that different. <laughs> and Patrick Corbin is the worst pitcher in baseball. That's a, uh, you know, it's just, it's very interesting to see that. Yeah. Xander Bogarts came up to bat three times in a row, and he could not score, even with the bases loaded. That's just hilarious. They struck out twice, dude. They struck out twice. Zach Greinke can't strike out anybody, but he did it twice in an inning. What is wrong with them? That's just embarrassing. That is actually... If I'm the hitting coach of the Chicago White Sox, I would just not show up anymore. anymore. I would just disappear. Start a new life somewhere. Change my identity. I could. I cannot be seen in public after allowing that to happen. This is the team that he allowed, <laughs> that he that he created, that he molded. Everybody in that management <laughs> should be ashamed because <laughs> they have failed stupendously. Playoff roster, by the way. This is a playoff team, by the way. Supposedly, that's what they told us they were. So Zach Greinke pitched his best start of the season. It was the first time he pitched the seventh inning, or I think he did at one point pitch the seventh inning, but he didn't get a, he didn't get any outs. This time he got one out. Yay! And then Jose Quas came out to uh, finish the inning a little bit, um, or actually he did finish the inning, but then he came back out. A little later, and he uh, uh, was not good in that second inning. Uh, he was getting hit around. He was he was walking a guy. Yeah, um, it was a uh, Yasmani Grandal who uh, hit a home run that was a uh, kind of crushed. It was a li- it was a little bit of a bomb, and it's like oh, um, maybe the guy who pitched both games of a doubleheader shouldn't be pitching right now. I'm not entirely sure who is in our bullpen right now because they're constantly sending guys up and down. But still, was there really no one better than Jose Quas available in that moment? I, I, I feel like we could have done something a little a little better there. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I forgive him. It's okay. It's not a big deal. It's just because at that point we were already winning by a few. So it's not like those runs were a huge problem. But yeah, worth bringing up at the very least. But Wyatt Mills came out. He got a hold. He uh, he finished the, the inning and it was all right. Okay, decent job. He's been all right so far this season for us. And then Scotty came out for the save. Did give up a home run of his own to Andrew Vaughn. Which is actually funny because Andrew Vaughn kind of helped give us a run because he was put out in right field. And I don't think I've ever seen someone so slow play the outfield. Like, I swear, this dude was moving his legs. I don't think he was – 
I don't think it was a lack of effort. He was really moving his legs. He just wasn't moving forward very quickly. It was so funny to see it. Like, it was a uh, bloop single by Michael A. Taylor that probably could have been caught by a good right fielder. But instead, they uh, brought out someone who was just absolutely freaking atrociously slow. You know, even Kendry's Morales could run kind of okay sometimes in the outfield. He would he would sometimes make some okay running catches. But man, yeah, this dude was, uh, that was bad. But I guess he got revenge by getting a homer off of Scott Barlow. Not really a big deal. It was a garbage time home run. We were already up by three. So it's okay. It's okay, Scotty. You're still good. I still love you. And uh, yeah. Meanwhile, Royals on offense had a few runs of their own. Most of the guys in the lineup got a hit. So that's cool. Vinny, Vinny hit a home run which puts him on pace for about 25 home runs over a 162-game course, which is nice because, you know, you consider the fact that he had been slumping for a little while. So, oh, even when he's slumping, he can still hit 25 home runs? I'll take that. That sounds nice. And Nicky came in clutch, got a couple of runs off of a single, which was which is nice because he, so far, wasn't having a great series. He was a little quiet with his bat. But that was wonderful. Nice to see the captain coming through. I love that the fan base is just like calling him Captain Nicky now. Yeah. And MJ drove in another run in this series. It was what? Like uh, we had a streak going on where it was like 26 runs in a row scored by the rookies. Salvi broke that at some point. Um, yeah, on Wednesday's game. But yeah, the... Uh, it's like the Royals have the most runs scored by rookies. I don't know if it's for the full season, but at the very least over the last few weeks or so. And that is really nice to see. They really do have one of the best lineups in baseball right now. Like over the last month or so, they have been just a good baseball team. And they've been a very good lineup that is dangerous. Danger- I mean, the White Sox have a good pitching staff. Like, don't take this for granted. Even though I am, you know, saying the White Sox, you know, they suck and blah, 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 blah. I mean, I'm mostly making fun of their lineup for not really doing anything. I mean, their lineup couldn't score off of Zach Greinke. Yeah, it was atrocious. But their pitching, you you can't really take away from their pitching. So this has just been awesome. It's been so great to see the Royals hitting the way in the way that they have this uh, this past month or so. And hopefully that will continue into this weekend, because like I said, we have the biggest challenge of all coming up this weekend against the Los Angeles Dodgers. Good luck to everybody. So I kind of mentioned that uh, their starting rotation is combined for 27 and 2! That is Tony Gonzalez and Andrew, not Tony Gonzalez, Tony Con- Gonzalez and Andrew Heaney and Tyler Anderson. Those are the three probables for this weekend. Royals have Daniel Lynch, Brad Keller, and Brady Singer. I'm a little disappointed because I'm going to Saturday's game. I was really hoping Brady Singer would be pitching. (laughs) Unfortunate. He's just, but he's not. Ah, well, what can you do? Still a little excited to go. I'm, I'm, I, I want you guys to understand. 
I'm excited to watch the Royals right now. I'm actually looking forward to watching the Royals. There was a, a, a period for a month or two where I even said on the podcast, I'm like, I'm just not going to watch the Royals all that much. Like, if, the, if they're on while I'm awake, sure, I might have it on in the background. But I'm not going to go out of my way to watch Royals games like I usually would. But that's happening again. I'm back to wa- I'm back to going out of my way and making sure that I'm getting in as much as I can because I love these guys. I actually really care about their success and I want to see it. And so I'm going to do that. But I do have to take a break for a little bit because of other things that I'm doing. But... Like I always say, we'll talk about it when we get there. Next, uh, good good luck to the Royals for the next week or so. Hope they do well. And uh, hope you guys have a good week of your own. For now, that's going to do it for me for a little bit. Thank you very much for listening to the Royal Deluxe Podcast. I would love to hear from you at Royal Deluxe Pod on Twitter or Royal Deluxe Podcast at gmail.com. And I really thank you for making this podcast a part of your day. I hope you're having a good one. And uh, I'll see you later. I'm Lux, and go Royals.